I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The rain poured relentlessly on the city streets as I parked my squad car near the crime scene. It was a familiar sight. A dimly lit alley with yellow tape marking the perimeter. Another murder, another night spent chasing shadows. I tightened my rain-soaked coat around me and stepped out, the wet pavement reflecting the eerie glow of the streetlights. I'm Joe, a seasoned police officer with a deep passion for books. When I'm not patrolling the city, I find solace within the pages of mystery novels and thrilling tales. Little did I know that the lines between fiction and reality were about to blur. The victims their bodies marked with deep claw-like wounds, were reminiscent of a monstrous creature straight out of a horror novel. The city buzzed with whispers of a cryptid lurking in the shadows, haunting our streets. But something told me there was more to this case than mere folklore. As I delved deeper into the investigation, my instincts led me down an unexpected path. The evidence pointed not to an unknown creature, but to a man. Someone who had meticulously crafted claws and was using them to commit these horrifying acts. The brutality of it all was chilling. Then a break in the case came unexpectedly. A neighbor reported a sighting. A man fitting the description, 
seen walking the streets with claws protruding from his hands. It was a lead worth pursuing, and I couldn't ignore the urgency. I paid a visit to the neighbor, hoping to gather more information. His eyes widened with fear as he recounted the encounter. He had stumbled upon our suspect, his face twisted with malice, and his eyes burning with another worldly hunger. The neighbor's description matched the eerie marks left on the victims, leaving no room for doubt. Determined to put an end to this reign of terror, I embarked on a relentless search for the man behind the claws. Every piece of evidence, every witness account, led me closer to the truth. But the city seemed to conspire against me, as if it wanted to protect its own dark secret. Days turned into sleepless nights. My mind consumed by the riddles that lay before me. I grew restless, haunted by the shadows that danced at the edge of my vision. It felt as if I were living within the pages of one of my beloved mysteries, caught between the realms of reality and fiction. Finally, after tireless pursuit, I cornered the man, or killer, in a dilapidated warehouse. His eyes, devoid of humanity, reflected a sinister satisfaction. There was no remorse only a twisted pleasure in the suffering he had inflicted upon innocent lives. In a tense standoff, I drew my weapon, my heart pounding with a mix of fear and determination. The echoes of the rain against the metal walls seemed to synchronize with the adrenaline rushing through my veins. It was a battle between a man consumed by his monstrous desires and a cop who refused to succumb to the darkness. With every ounce of strength, I apprehended the man, the claws slipping from his hands as he fell to his knees. The nightmare that had gripped the city was over, but its impact lingered within me. As I stood there, rain dripping from my coat, I couldn't help but ponder the thin line that separates reality from the stories we tell. The pages of my books had shaped my perception of the world, but it was on these rain-soaked streets that I truly learned the depths of human darkness. I was coming back on a long hike to the ocean. On our way back, daylight was closing on me. I were a more calm part of the dunes, and there were not a lot of four-wheelers I this part of the dunes. I entered a small part of 4A and could barely hear the faint whisper of the creek. I was glacing around and saw a large, jagged rock on my left. It started drizzling, and I threw up my hood, blocking my side views of the scene. I was about halfway through when I heard stealthy pats. I admittedly froze. I had no clue what it could be. I turned around, just that time to see a large, furry leg slip around the bend. It was large and seemed human-like. I believe it was Bigfoot, and clearly it was out trying to harm me. I was petrified to give chase, and I sprinted all the way to my car. In August of 1998... I hiked into the Sky Lake Wilderness to Squaw Lake to fish. Squaw Lake is located in dense alpine forest approximately southeast of the upper end of Four Mile Lake and reached by trail three miles from the Four Mile Lake campground. When I reached the lake, mosquitoes were so bad that I made my way to the lake shore where an onshore wind kept most of them away from me. At the shore, I fished for a while when the wind briefly changed direction, blowing offshore. As the wind changed, I noticed a very foul smell. I remember thinking that there must be something dead in the willow thicket about ten feet on the other side of the trail from where I was standing on the lakeshore. 
This smell was followed shortly by a sound like something hitting a tree with a large rock or branch. This was followed a while later by what I passed off as a bird, but it was not like a sound made by a bird, more like a high-pitched howling. This sound was like the scream recorded in Ohio. This scream was followed by the tree pounding sound again. By this time I was becoming very unnerved and had an increasingly overwhelming feeling of being watched and I did not want to find out what it was. So I gathered up my courage, made my way through the mosquitoes, back to the trail, returned to the trail, head, and left the area. I was looking out a second-story window in the Sandy Inn Hotel in Sandy. I was facing the north toward the woods and the Columbia River beyond. Before I go any further, I'd like to emphasize that I am not sure that I actually heard a Bigfoot sound. I am mainly putting it on here because I have thought about it in depth. That's why the delay in reporting and the only thing in my memory that has any resemblance at all to what I've heard is the past audio recordings of Bigfoot, although what I heard had better audio. <clears throat> I still wonder if this was a Bigfoot, how or why it would have been near a town, but I have no other explanations. I was in Sandy, Oregon with my family during the weekend of July 21, 23, 2000. We were staying at the Sandy Inn, which is just west of the main part of town. It was hard to sleep the night of the 21st. It was very humid and some thunderstorms did move through about midnight or so. I was up several times during the night, either to shut the window, open the window, turn on the air conditioning, etc. I got up once around 3 or so in the morning on the 22nd after the storms passed. I was sticking my head out of our second story window enjoying some cool air and kind of looking off into the woods toward the north. There was not a sound anywhere that I could hear. No cars on the highway, nothing. Then I heard a very indescribable sound. I thought at first it was tires screeching, but as the seconds passed, I realized a car would have to be burning rubber for a long way. Then I kind of cleared my head. I thought it sounded like a man screaming, or better yet, wailing. But I've never heard a human do a sound like that either. It was not a moan or howling with an O sound. It was more like, I, uh, uh, I, very high pitched. It won't do me much good to try to interpret the sound in letters. But the way the pitch of the sound went up and down so fast, I've never heard any animal or human do that, and I've heard quite a lot of animals. If, uh, a human did what I heard, they'd bust their vocal cords. It went on for about 20 seconds. Maybe a little longer, but not sure of that. It did seem to kind of trail off at one point, then come back. I know it was long enough for me to get a good listen. It was not close by either. The window faced toward the north, so it's possible that's where it came from, but I can't be sure of that. It seemed like it was off in the distance somewhere. When it started, it was rather quiet and ended trailing off in the same manner it started. Even though I was a bit groggy, it was weird enough to wake me up and even scare me a bit. I didn't think too much of it at the time, but the next morning I was thinking to myself, what was that? I didn't report it or consider that until now because I wasn't sure, and after a while I honestly had forgotten about it until something in my mind triggered it again. All I can say is... If it wasn't a Bigfoot, fine. But please tell me what it was.
I've worked as a paramedic or firefighter for ten plus years, and I always laugh when people tell me I'm crazy for hunting in the middle of nowhere, be afraid of animals, etc. I always laugh and tell them the crap I've seen people do always worries me more than the mostly predictable behavior of animals. I have two stories, one hunting, one none. I'll tell the hunting as it's the thread. I live in upstate New York, and we frequently get lied to about what kind of animals are here. The local DAC has a long history of introducing predators and denying their existence until it's blatantly obvious. So this year, my dad and I are bow hunting. We meet up and are walking out just before dark. Just wanted to do an afternoon stock hunt together like when I was a kid. I was led and coming over a knoll that I have shot a lot of nice deer out of, including a good buck last year. Suddenly my dad, who is steps behind me, is hissing coyote. I turn and look, and I can't see anything. He then tells me, you're looking right at it in my mind. I'm looking for a coyote like I've seen my whole life. Scraggly, narrow face with brownish-white colors. The first thing I saw was the eyes. Wild yellow eyes connected to a black face with a huge head and almost silver mane. I grew up with German shepherds, and this dog was easily 9,100-plus pounds. Not 30, 40 pounds, like most of the coyotes I've encountered, but was most certainly not a house pet. We also were miles from anyone's house and on private land. I've never had an animal look at me like that before. It was not afraid and definitely was sizing me up. More predatory than I've ever had a black bear look at me. So as I was changing arrows was not about to send a $35 iron wheel at it. My bow release hit my bow limb and the loud metallic clang and sent the dog running. We both stood for a moment not saying anything, and my dad goes, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I think that was. A wolf, I finished his sentence before he could. My dad said he was watching a pine lot just to our left and saw the dog come and run out at us, stopping about 40 yards away. I never even heard the thing. It was as though it was hunting us, not just a random encounter where we crossed paths. I told a few co-workers about it, and they all said I was crazy. Then a few weeks later, my buddy sent me the picture of a guy he knows that hunts about 20 minutes from I was. DAC told him it was a coy dog. I'm not so sure about that. You guys have more experience with wolves than I do, but to me, that looks like what I saw. And that is a wolf in my book. Me and a bunch of friends went camping back in June of 2000, up past Fall Creek, Oregon. It was dusk when I saw it, and what happened was, I was standing there, it's been so long, I really don't remember what I was doing at the time, but I do know for sure I felt like someone was staring at me, and I also got this weird burning feeling of like adrenaline in my mind. Even though my tent was like four or five feet from the camp, I looked out toward the campfire, I could see everybody we were camping with right there. But I looked to the direction of where I got that feeling. And I don't know how I just knew to look that way, but I did. And I seen it standing about eight or nine feet away. I felt this petrified feeling. And in the three seconds which seemed so long, I thought, run. But at the same time, I thought, keep looking to make sure what you're looking at is real. Oh, it was real, I swear by it. I just went into the tent and I didn't say anything to anybody we were camping with. I felt the crowd of about 11 people might have made fun of me or something. But later on that night, 
When my boyfriend, C.W., came to bed, I told him, and of course he didn't believe me. The best friend was going out with C.W., brother, and at about four o'clock in the morning, when everybody was just starting to go to bed, my best friend and my boyfriend's brother got in a fight that woke almost everybody up. Tabby, my B.F., went running away from the camp, and I got up, and so did my boyfriend to talk to his brother. I went to find Tabby, and in about five minutes or so, we all heard the loudest scream. Of course, it was my friend that screamed. But as everybody went toward the area of were, we all heard the scream she was running toward us with the most petrified look, saying, Oh, my God! We were like, what? She said when she was down by the creek after her and S.W. We're arguing she felt weird, and she wanted to come back, so as she was climbing up the embankment. By the river. It was right there at the top, just hunched over looking at her. After she told that to everybody, I knew I believed her cuz of what I saw or everybody else. Well, a couple people didn't believe her, but I know for a fact what I saw. And I didn't even tell her until after it happened, and she came up and said what she seen. In case anyone is wondering what it is, it is Sasquatch. I never ever thought I would be saying that I guess I had to see it for myself. But the Sasquatch I seen wasn't like Harry and the Hendersons that had hair like an orangutan but a little bit thicker and wasn't as big, it seemed like it was about six feet. I get a feeling it was a female for some reason. I could be wrong. All I know what I seen was real. Its eyes, from what I could tell, looked dark. I never had a feeling that it was going to hurt me. I think I was just scared because I'd never seen anything like it. A while after that, my friend Tabby told her dad, and he was like, Oh yeah, that's the wild man of wind, Berry Creek. He said it like it was nothing. I know Tabby's mom used to bartend at Fall Creek Tavern, and they were around a lot of things said. Loggers would come in and or friends and talk about things. And apparently we weren't the first ones to have seen it in that area. My mom bartended there about 25 years ago, and it was being seen then too. Except we know it's not a wild man, it's a Sasquatch. That's just what they called it back then. So yeah... It's been being seen in that area from different people for 25 years. The first odd occurrence in this area was in the 90s. I had killed a nice 5x5 five five archery bull elk and had gone back up to retrieve a tree stand the next day with my sister. As we got near the remains, hide gut pile and mostly intact skeleton, Hip bones, spine ribs, neck bones, the tree limbs just beyond the remains. Swayed like something big had just gone through them. Didn't notice any sounds of animals. The next day I returned to look around that same area for bear sign on the remains. All the remains were gone. No sign of any drag marks like a bear or a cougar had taken them. Why would a person or persons take a rotting hide, gut pile and skeleton with no salvageable meat? A couple of years later, my friend and I were hiking down after archery, hunting that same spot I got that five-by-five five earlier. It was just a few minutes before we had to use our flashlights to see. Off to our west, we heard something coming towards us in the trees, heavy steps, limbs popping and tree branches moving. We both stopped and readied our bows. When the thing came within about 15 feet of the creek bed, we were walking and it stopped. The trees were very thick in this area, and it was getting dark fast. 
My friend and I looked at each other kind of with a spooked feeling passing between us, and then the thing turned around and left the way it came. No sound at all other than steps and the tree limb sound. We agreed the thing that was making the limbs move had to be seven, eight foot tall to move the limbs like it did. In August of 2000, I was archery hunting on a windy, cold day. I heard something approaching up the ridge. It sounded like a person walking very heavily. It was not an elk or deer. A few minutes later, there was a very loud roaring sound from roughly 200 yards away. I thought it was someone mad that I was hunting there, but the volume was just too loud for a human. About two minutes later, there was a second roar, and it had moved about twice the distance away from me. That roar was followed by an elk bugling 100 yards away. I didn't look for any sign, as the roars actually spooked me some, and I didn't want to find anything that could produce that kind of a sound with that volume. In early 2001, I had hiked up the southeast side of the mountain, following a small creek up, exploring a side of the mountain I had never been on. I got up to the upper levels of the tree line and started around to the east side to hike the big ridge running off the east side of the mountain. There was still some snow around the clearings and in the trees. In one of the clearings I noticed a strange large impression near the middle. This clearing was maybe 80 feet across with bare dirt, except for snow around all the edges under the trees. Steep sloping ground. I stood beside the impression and just stared at it. The print was going in the same direction as I was. The uphill side was very visible and the downhill side was gone. It was very easy to distinguish the toes and the heel and the outline of the print on the uphill side. It was a right footprint and the bigger toe and the four smaller toes were there. Smallest toe was barely seen as downhill side left no impression of outside foot. You could see the curve around the heel, but not quit all of the curve. Step on a steep slope sometime and see how much of your print is visible while keeping the bottom of your foot flat as if walking on level ground. The track was 16, 18 inches long and about 7, 8 inches wide. I dismissed it as a freak natural occurrence as there was only the one. When I started off the mountain late in the day, I realized that the weathering the track had shown, plus with the warmer weather, and the snow melt, it might have been possible for the snow to have been gone in the middle of the clearing, and for the snow to melt faster outwards from the clearing as it would get more sunlight than the edges. I had looked around for signs of other people having gone up there before me, but saw none. Not even on the trails at the base of the mountain did I see any sign other than my own. In June or July of 2001, my ex-wife and I were setting up our camp for the evening. It was dark as we had got a late start after work. We were putting up our tent with only one lantern burning when we both at the exact same time looked up at each other and asked if the other had farted. We both had smelled a really strong odor. Made me think of a bear scent, but it had an odd sweaty smell. Never had smelled a bear with that type of odor. I grabbed my flashlight, which I discovered had a nearly dead battery, and walked into the direction of the wind. I could still smell the strong odor. So about 30 yards from my truck, I started looking as best as I could for any eye shine. I swung the flashlight beam, aiming it more towards the ground level, expecting to see some eyes at a lower than hip level. I instead saw a pair of yellowish eyes higher up than expected. I raised the flashlight, and I saw a dark form like a shadow standing there 30, 40 feet away. The ground in that direction starts to slope down to a dry creek bed. 
I'm six feet four, and with the slight slope, the shadow was taller than me. When the light hit the shadow, I saw the eyes either squint or in some way react to the light being shined directly on it. After four or five seconds, it turned and disappeared. I could see an outline, like a shadow, of very wide shoulders and arms that hung down like a person's. If this had been a person, the eyes would not have glowed in a yellowish color, nor would they have reacted to the light. This shadow, as it turned, was perfectly silent and just disappeared into the woods. The shadow appeared to be seven, eight feet tall, considering the slight downhill flow of the terrain, and that I had to look up slightly at the eyes. I listened for a few hours that night after going to bed and heard nothing odd. This story was told to me by an uncle. He is a park ranger in Ontario. He frequently comments on his work being relatively calm after pandemic, mostly because there are fewer tourists. However, he still has to go out in the wilderness and check on his stuff. One day he had to go through the woods with a colleague, and there were reports of people hanging around without permission. Nothing unusual, just some visitors who were just mean teenagers. Sometimes the issue with these reports was that there were numerous sightings of people carrying all sorts of luggage, like axes and animal skulls. Just weird stuff. People can be pretty racist in these parts. It's possible these are the Algonquin people. After all, this is their land. Like, imagine unhinged people worshipping Odin in the cold wilderness of modern-day Canada. Aside from whatever occult stuff they were pulling up, according to my uncle, you can find many loons, madmen, and weird people in the woods. There was a word of bonfires, and it was what truly worried the rangers. Nobody was in the mood to deal with a fire in the middle of a health apocalypse, especially considering the past events in California and the Amazonian jungle. Like Canada, surely it is cold, but nobody wanted to see mass fires provoked by mad people. So they hiked across the wilderness and saw all the normal things. They checked on the state of the trails if the seasonal animals were doing fine, the state of vegetation, and that sort of stuff. The further they advanced, the more they began to find strange things. Odd symbols carved into the tree's crust. Some seemed like runes. Residues such as trash. Those weird Odin worshippers didn't mind eating modern-day snacks. It seemed marks on the ground and small signals here and there about people camping in places not for the general public, like people had been actively going around the wilderness, but my uncle and his colleague John, let's call him that, never encountered campers. Whoever was going around had already left. My uncle and his partner would always find weird stuff, like one time a cape and a helmet and even a real sword. Someone had been putting on some Nordic cult stuff or something like that. There would also be incense and some other religious miscellaneous items. One night, my uncle and John decided to settle their camp next to a huge elm tree with the hopes of the tree covering their tent from the winds at night. When temperatures would reach very, very low, they ate heated beans and rice while talking about stuff and exchanging stories. Every night, They'd use a portable radio to talk with people in the base area, exchanging news. At some point, my uncle's colleague goes to the trees to empty his bladder, and my uncle waits by the fire. 
nothing out of the blue. The time passes and my uncle does not hear John returning. His partner was this huge man in his forties, a chatty person whom you'd frequently hear even before he reached the camp. So my uncle begins looking at the sides to catch a glimpse of what was going on, but he saw nothing. John was carrying a lantern, so at least one could have expected to see the lights by the trees. But all my uncle saw was black. The minutes began to pass, and he called for John, asking if things were fine. No, that's when he realized the woods were strangely quiet. There was no wind, nor the natural sounds you'd expect to hear at night. Nothing, and that got him on alert. John would sometimes play a harmless prank or two, especially considering their line of work wasn't the most active of them all, and they spent days outside, but this time things were too calm and quiet to be natural. Things were off. My uncle knew it, so he began to ask towards the nothingness if everything was okay. Was John fine? Where was he? Nobody answered. Well, the wind did. It started to blow stronger and stronger. It straight up seemed like somebody was trying to settle in the atmosphere of a horror movie. My uncle then heard a subtle whisper at his right side. He tried to pay attention to the sound and pulling his body to that side. It was a man's voice, a weak one. My uncle got up, grabbed his light and the rifle, went into the woods. The fire was weak enough to make sure no accidents would happen while he was away. So he walked towards the bigger trees. He kept on asking if John was fine. The voice was slowly getting stronger the more he entered into the wilderness until he could hear Joan's voice calling his name for help. That's when my uncle stops. Something was off. Even if that voice seemed like Joan's, he's already had to help him once. And the times Joan seriously asked for help, his tone was different. Like the voice was the same. So the modulations, but the tone did not match and the tone of our voices is pretty much dictated by our moods. This was not John. A ball of anxiety grew in my uncle's body, and he is one of the more stoic and calm men I've ever met. The certainty was there, something that wasn't John was calling for him. But my uncle had his rifle and light prepared. He never went to the church or seemed to believe in that sort of thing, but he also told me that sometimes you had to respect the rules of the wild. He began to move the lights in front of him to the side, inside alert and waiting. If John was fooling around, he already would have seen it. But what my uncle saw was something else entirely. It was very tall, like four or five meters. In front of my uncle was a very small clearing surrounded by older and taller trees. The figure was a shady thing around eight or nine meters away from him. It had no gender and was too tall to be a person. The creature was thin and had antlers. In fact, it seemed like its head was a moose's skull. It was blurry at first. He thought those weird cultists were using an animal's head. But it was far too large and tall to be a person. It would have to have been very uncomfortable to walk around in that. In the middle of the night, and the short hairs of my uncle's nape stood up. This being moved towards him. My uncle yelled out as a warning. It stayed quiet, and he readied his rifle. It called him with Joan's voice, but much more distorted and crackly. My uncle firing into the air, then turning on his heels and running. The sound that thing made was not human. My uncle ran and ran, even though I listened to the dark wilderness, which unfortunately he got lost and had to wait for daylight to find the trail. He only had his light 
and even that was dying. In the morning, John was there waiting for him, worried. He had heard my uncle calling for him at night, and another bunch of weird, strange noises that he could not quite understand. When he had returned to the campsite, nobody was there. My uncle was not answering his calls, and so this is what they both believed to have been a Wendigo. I'm not too sure about that either, is he? but it's definitely speculated that what they saw and encountered was of the supernatural. Hiking by full moonlight near Joshua Tree with some friends, it was around 2 a.m. We come across this massive natural amphitheater with huge boulders lining the sides like a well-organized audience, uniform rows starting at the bottom and rising the cliff walls up, maybe 150 feet. Continue walking into the amphitheater, feel chilling air as if being watched or that something was impending. See a large figure in the center about halfway up, Looked half rock or half human general shape. Continue walking. Anxiety intensifies. Can literally hear and feel the presence of this figure. Group of eight dudes noped the F out of there. No clue what it was or was not. Never went back. All right, I have no idea how to format or write this considering it is my first time ever seeing something paranormal, but yesterday I spent the night at a friend's house. I will call them Sam and Bob for privacy reasons. Everyone else's name will also be changed. It was Sam, Bob, Jeff, and I. Sam and Bob are brothers. Anyways, Jeff and I had came over and brought our dirt bikes. So naturally, we spent the day riding. We had also ran to a store and picked up some fireworks to let off that night. We had quit riding at around seven. Keep in mind, this is eastern Kentucky in the middle of the woods and farmland because Sam and Bob's family are loaded with money. Since we had finished riding and it was getting pretty dark, we decided to let some fireworks. We had been lighting some smaller firecrackers and fountains and whatnot. But Jeff had the idea to have a Roman candle war. In the middle of the war, when we were grabbing new candles, we heard a whoosh, which ended up being a used Roman candle firing a shot in the grass. But we didn't know that immediately, and Sam made the comment that it was probably a Wendigo, under which Bob and Sam get in a huge argument about if Wendigos live in Kentucky or not. This blew up and ended with resolving it with a pillow fight on a trampoline. After we were all gassed out, I decided we should spend all night on the trampoline. And around Manatinish, Jeff and I spotted some coyotes at a tree line across the road from us. We all went inside because I freaked out. Because I'm from a city and don't like wild animals. Also, it stunk really bad. It smelled like dead rabbit or deer. Probably the coyotes got something. So we all go inside but leave the pillows and blankets on the trampoline. After about an hour inside, Sam tells us we forgot the bedding on the trampoline, and he wanted me and Jeff to go get it. I, being terrified of the dark, begged Jeff to come with me. He agrees, and we throw our socks and shoes on and head out the back door onto the patio or porch. We go down the stairs and towards the trampoline. I'm behind Jeff grabbing the back of his shirt, and he has a flashlight pointing straight. I'm looking to the right towards past the road, looking for the coyotes but I hear a thud sound to our left. I look over there, and there is a line of four trees parallel with us. They are shaped in a V, starting at the base. I don't see anything, but I tell Jeff to point the flashlight over there, and we don't see anything. 
So he swings it straight and keeps walking. I hear the thud this time, but this time Jeff also hears it. It is much, much, much louder. It's still to our left. Jeff swings the flashlight in between the second and third tree in the row, and it's walking straight with us. Not at us, but towards the same direction we were going. As soon as the flashlight lands on it, it's behind the third tree now, and it stands up in the middle of the V of the tree. It stood about four or five heads taller than me, and I'm five feet nine. It was incredibly skinny, as in I could see its ribs through its skin, which was a bright white like not fluorescent white, but when the flashlight hit it, it definitely had a glow. Its eyes were the scariest part, two big reflective orbs that were dark gray or blackish, but here's the cat. They were reflective in a sense, like the eyes illuminated the flashlight back at us. Also, his hands were gigantic, his fingers wrapped around the tree trucks, and they were super long. Jeff looks over, and I scream, and he just stands still. I turn around, and he is still. Standing, but he dropped the flashlight. I still have his shirt in my hand, and I yank him hard, and he just takes off in front of me. I sprint past him and up the back porch stairs. He falls on the stairs, and I run to the door and open it and wait for him as soon as he runs through. I slam it shut and lock the deadbolt and shut the curtains and jump back onto their couch. Sam and Bob were putting their socks and shoes on when we ran inside because they had heard me scream my lungs out. Jeff is standing on the couch, and he starts babbling and tell them what he saw, and I started hyperventilating. I have anxiety and asthma. Had an asthma attack. I haven't had one in years, and I stopped carrying my emergency inhaler a long time ago. Sam was bewildered, and I started crying while I was having my fit. I cried for almost an hour and didn't fall asleep until almost 3 a.m., I woke up and packed, and my parents came and scooped me up, so I am now writing this for my house. If you have any questions or answers, please tell. God bless you all.